thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread. Hi, this is Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, episode 43. I am having a glorious Wednesday as I look out across the rice fields behind our house. I just got back in from my daughter Julia's school where they asked me to speak to the to her class on the basic teachings of Jesus and what it is to be a disciple. So I always love that subject and I really love interacting with young people. Today, speaking of young people, our assistant Joy here in Thailand, it's Joy's 22nd birthday. So we want to say happy birthday to you, Joy. And also want to say thanks to those of you who've been writing and connecting with me. And uh, just keep doing it. I love the conversations that we get into. And today especially, I want to send a little shout out to Alex Stevens at Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee. We are gearing up to start uh, Media Light version two, and this year this is the second time that we've run the school. It's a 10-week residential discipleship leadership uh, media training school here in northern Thailand, and so if you, you're not going to be able to make this cutoff, but if you're interested in the next intake, you might want to visit the website medialightasia.com. MediaLightAsia.com. You can learn a little more about the program. So our uh, staff is arriving one by one now. They're flying in from different places in the world where they've been going home to see their families and gathering back together. And then another week after that, and we'll be back in school. The students will arrive from many different countries. And then it's going to get crazy because we run uh, 10-hour days about five to six days a week, and learn a lot. Everybody lives at the center together. We have a lot of experiences and uh, just tremendous amount of personal growth, but not a whole lot of sleep for three whole months. So I will do what I can to keep regular with the threads, and I'll need a little prayer on your side. Today, episode 43 is about doctrine and how doctrine really does matter. And why it matters. So if you don't have a Bible, run get one. Thread is a verse-by-verse study of the New Testament for leaders. And uh, I'll be right back with Thread 43. Right. We're on episode 43, and this one is about doctrine. I was involved in seminary work for 20 years, and there's so much uh, beauty in a seminary because you know, typically when you go to a seminary, you go there because you want to know God better, you want to know His Word, and t- depending on the school, uh, we sometimes are able to fulfill that, and some schools are are really built on critical analysis, though, more than devotional wonder. I think it ought to be devotional wonder that you go into the Scriptures and you just are amazed and you labor over the Word, and that's what I wanted seminary to be. And to some extent it is, but probably 10%. 
Uh, that was my experience, at least as a student. So when I was president, I tried to run a better school than that. But a lot of times you get caught up in seminary answering the arguments of liberals and then taking what's called a critical method uh, in the study of scriptures where you're not, you're not studying them devotionally, you're studying them textually and you're taking every, you know, you're studying original languages and then you've got those who are opposed to the scripture because uh, they don't believe in God at all. And then so you have to take all their arguments now and equip the minister to be strong in the face of that and to understand where the weakness in their arguments lies. And, you know, it can just, eh. you know, and you can get it. I hate arguing about the Bible. Uh, but it's something at times worth arguing about when someone is trying to pervert doctrine or twist doctrine or bring a new doctrine that is a, uh, an a, assault on the text of the scriptures and what the Bible says, uh, you have to fight it because it, it is an attack and it will continue. So now that's kind of what today's scripture is about. Jesus is... Uh, out and about, and he gets ambushed by a group that wants to argue against the scriptures. Uh, they have their own petty, you know, their little pet position and their pettiness about the text, and they're they're not there seeking truth. They have no interest in truth. They are the doctrine police, and in their mind, uh, the doctrines are. Uh, mm, the doctrines are, they're silly, they're superstitious or whatever, and so they're, they're going to argue against it and show how foolish these biblical teachings are. And so uh, Jesus is walking down the street in verse 18. Sadducees come up to him, and I, I need to give you a little background. The Sadducees did accept, they were part of the Jewish uh, cultural landscape, and they were ruling parties. They always ended up being the the rulers, partly because they did they only accepted the first five books of the Old Testament as being inspired. So whatever books Moses wrote, that's the first five, they'd take those. All the Psalms, all the prophets, they didn't accept any of that uh, as doctrinal, as definitive for doctrine. So um, that left them with a position that since uh, afterlife gets proven, uh, gets introduced after the first five chapters, uh, that there isn't an afterlife. So they hold that as their doctrine, and so they've come to Jesus to attack the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead, which was held by everybody else in Judaism and definitely held by Jesus. And so uh, they come to him with, a, with this word puzzle, um, and they've constructed it. You know, some people, some people construct these puzzles like, if God's so big, can he make a rock so big he can't move it? And they think they're extremely clever and that they've uh, disproven the uh, omnipotence of God, the all-powerness of God. Um, and they haven't. All they've done is made a word puzzle. You can't solve the puzzle because each answer voids the other answer, and it's just a little clever puzzle thing. Um, that's what these guys have done. So they make up this, this story, and they say, okay, if there's a resurrection, uh, then here's, here's a story. And they say, well, Moses said that if a man gets married and he dies and he doesn't have any kids, 
that his brother has to marry his wife, and the first baby that they produce is called the the elder brother's baby. And that way, he'll still have an heir. So that was the system that Moses set up in the Old Testament um, to ensure that a man is not forgotten in history. So they say, okay, here's how this here. This is what happens. There's seven guys. They're all brothers. One of them gets married, dies. The next guy marries his wife, dies. Next guy marries his wife and dies. All seven of them marry the same woman, and all seven of them die. So in the resurrection, which they don't believe in, whose wife is she? And they're, just, they're so smug, and they're just delighted at what they've created, and they sit down because it's an unsolvable problem. You know, Whose wife do you say? And they think that Jesus is going to take up the whole um, question of whose wife she is, and he's going to figure out which man this wife rightly belongs to, and they're going to just disprove that there could ever be a resurrection of the dead because of their story. And Jesus just stops them in verse 24, and he looks at them, and he says, Are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the Scriptures nor the power of God? In other words, you guys are totally mistaken. Your doctrine is wrong. And it's because you're, you're, defic- you're deficient in two things. One, you don't know your Bible. And number two, you don't know God's power. You don't have an experience with God's power. And because of that, you're blind to truth. And that's really what doctrine is, and it's why doctrine is important. Our doctrine guides our behavior, uh, and we're, we're being given doctrine all the time. You know, uh, The Alchemist, I like that book. The Alchemist is full of doctrine about meaning of life, about God, about destiny. It's there. It's in movies. It's in songs. It's in novels. There's doctrine all around us. Everybody has doctrine. Doctrine is your worldview. It's your belief system. You know, when a man sells his daughter for $100 and two goats... In the Middle East, it's because of doctrine. It's who he thinks he is and what he thinks a child is. It's a doctrine about those things. Uh, so doctrine surrounds us, and doctrine is a huge issue because, as the Scripture says, as a man thinks, so is he. So when you get a hold of something that you believe is, is guiding truth for your life, there are consequences to accepting that truth, and you better know that it is true. It needs to be verified because the things that we think we know, we know them because our culture gave them to us, or we heard them in a song, or sometimes it's as silly as a bumper sticker. Uh, Somebody said a little something, and you know, it's just so easy to totally change your position based on the last person who spoke to you about something. We need to go deeper than that. Doctrine matters. And these people have come up with a doctrine that there is no afterlife. That has huge consequences. If you don't believe there's an afterlife and you don't believe there's a judgment, then you're this life only. So you've got to get all the money and all the pleasure and all the power, and that's what these Sadducees were all about. That's why they ended up being the rulers, because... They'd go after it. I mean, they did, there's nothing 
nothing to lose. So they wanted all the money they could get, all the power they could get, all the positioning they could have in this life, because at the end of this life, it's just over. That's where they were uh, on the subject. So Jesus tells them, you've lost truth. Truth comes to us as we walk in intimate fellowship with God, and as we open up to Him like a child and say, Father, tell me the truth. I need to know the truth. And if we'll do that, God will reveal his secrets to us. And, you know, uh, some have made a big whole doctrine over that that experience. It's a beautiful experience, uh, a rhema word, where God comes to you and he speaks a word that you need at the time that you need it, and it goes inside of you and it illuminates your mind. Uh, I remember a, a guy that was attending our church when we were a small little church meeting in a house, and uh, I, was, I was preaching from John chapter 1. And John says, if you are a disciple of Jesus, if you become a child of God through Jesus Christ, that your birth was not the result of the planning or lack of planning from your parents. You were born because of God. He ordained your birth so he could have you as a child. And I taught that passage, and that's a doctrine. That's a doctrine about where we come from and why we're here. And this young man went to family dinner right after that, and his whole big clan was gathered around the table. And uh, I don't know how he got on the subject, but he turned to his parents and he said to his mom, you know, all my life you've told me that I was a mistake. And I've heard that over and over again, and it's been in my head. But today, I learned from the Bible that I am not a mistake. You might not have planned me at all, but God planned me, and I'm here for a purpose. I think that's huge. That's a doctrine. He's gotten a hold of a doctrine, and this doctrine is true, and that truth has come inside of him, and it has opened up his mind to see himself differently and to live in a different way. And that's what doctrine is all about. And that's why it's such an important matter. So these men, they weren't even looking for doctrine. They weren't seeking for truth. They just wanted to argue. Uh, They wanted to prove that they were right, and they were oh so smart. And those are people to avoid, you know, uh, just foolish debates and nitpickers uh, about, you know, just tiny little doctrinal nothings and all the things that have split Christian groups in the past. That is not, we don't want to be involved in that spirit, but you need to nail down the doctrinal center of who you are and why you do what you do and what you believe about life. That can only come from God, the source of truth. You need to seek the word of God and seek interaction with the Father and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into all truth, because Jesus said that was one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit was to guide us into truth. So Jesus, as he uh, deba- uh, interacts with these guys, he corrects their theology, and he says, okay, you don't know God, and you don't know the Word. Verse 25, when you, when you are raised, and you will, it's not a continuation of this earthly life where all wives return to their husbands and children return to their parents. It's a new world order. God is the center of everything, and everyone is related 
directly and only to the Father, just like the angels are. They're living on a different plane. Then verse 26, he says, And if you're only going to accept Moses' books, fine, but you ought to at least read Moses' books. Have you never read verse 26? When God speaks to Moses and he says, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, these people lived hundreds of years uh, before Moses. Is He is not the God of the dead. He is the God of the living, and you are therefore greatly mistaken. So these guys are just theologically lazy, and they choose this doctrine because it suits their their lifestyle and their worldview. But he corrects them. Doctrine does matter. They are greatly mistaken, and it was affecting their life. Then, verse 28, a scribe is standing nearby. He hears this reasoning, and he knows he notices that Jesus has reasoned from the Scripture that he's honoring God. He likes what he hears from him. So he turns to Jesus to ask another question, but for a different reason. He's not trying to trip him up. He says to Jesus, which is the first commandment of all? Now, this is a raging debate among, uh, this had been a raging debate among the scribes uh, and those who were really studying the Scripture all the time to try to get out of all the laws in the Old Testament, what's the one that summarizes it the best? Which one is the highest of all? What's the main thing God wants to say through the Old Testament? And uh, this question has been gnawing at this man. And he asked Jesus that question, out of all the Old Testament, which verse is the most important? And Jesus answers without hesitation, verse 29. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, Jehovah our God, Jehovah, when, it, when it's Lord and it's all caps, that's his personal name. Jehovah is one. There's one God. Verse 30, and you shall love. What does God want? He wants you to love Jehovah your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind, since we're talking about doctrine, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. And then he gives him a bonus. The guy didn't even ask about this. He says, let me give you the second commandment. The second commandment, just like it. You shall love, so love God, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And verse 32, the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. There is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart with all the understanding and all the soul and all the strength, and to love your neighbor as oneself is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. See, this is a non-political scribe. Pretty much every time Jesus dealt with the scribes and Pharisees, they were also not men of the truth. They were political men. They had gathered together and they were having these big Uh, consultations, and they're trying to trap Jesus and uh, accuse Jesus. You know, this guy is after truth. That's what he cares about. That's why he got into this. And Jesus looks at this man, verse 34. He's so different 
He's so different from the Sadducees and the other church leaders that Jesus has been dealing with. He looks at this man who knows God, and he says to the man, you're not far from the kingdom of God. I can see him say that with a smile. And after that, the scripture said, no one dared ask him any more questions. I, I like how, I like the, the sense of respect that I feel between these two men. Jesus allows himself to be judged by this scribe because this scribe is only judging whether Jesus' doctrine stands on the scripture. And Jesus doesn't mind being questioned on that. It's fair enough. You should question it. So the man has questioned Jesus to give him scripturally backed doctrine. And Jesus has answered him with that doctrine. And the guy is just, he's so blessed. You know, he, he appreciates truth. He loves God's word and he loves those who back up God's word. And it's just, it's, it's a nice exchange between Jesus and this man. It says a lot because this scribe, you know, he's been to his, his schools and he's got his degrees and he's certified by the scribal group. But he honors this controversial, unschooled, provincial rabbi because that's what Jesus would have been in his mind. Here's someone who didn't go to school. He's not part of our group. He doesn't live in Jerusalem. He hasn't been through the system. But the scribe knows God's word, and when he evaluates the teachings of this Jesus, he says, you are solid. You are solid. He doesn't base his judgment of Christ on degrees or clothes or membership in any certain group, but on the apprehension of God's word. If you teach God's word to others, you have a sacred duty to know it thoroughly yourself. This man knew God's word and loved it, and he found in Jesus someone who was just like that. They had an instant bond and a brotherhood. Um, the word of God. Let it be the foundation of your life. And uh, the answer that Jesus gave him is worth pondering. The word love is agape. The heart of God's message to man is agape. Love him. Get that relationship right between God and man. Agape God, and as we flow back and forth with the Father in agape, then you love God through loving others, and you agape your neighbor as yourself. He says that the whole Old Testament will only be understood properly through those two lenses, loving God, loving people, the law of love. So let's love God's Word, and let's live that Word out in a doctrinally sound Christianity. If you want to connect with me, you can just write me directly, chuck at quinley.com. You can check out my family's website, quinley.com. And again, if you're interested in learning more about Media Light and potentially studying there in the future, or if you'd like to sponsor a student, you can go medialightasia.com. Thanks again. God bless you. And we'll see you next time on Thread. A singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Thread.